0: side, we know that it'll cost us something to open up our lives and share our faith. But this is our call, to open our lives and to share Christ with the people close to us. That's why we're running Alpha. It's a course over several weeks where you can invite your friends to explore life's biggest questions over a meal. It's a chance for you to invite that person into an honest conversation about faith. Alpha, who will you invite? His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face toward you and. Happy anniversary, La Jolla Community Church. It's our 15th anniversary today. 15 years. What were you doing 15 years ago? Uh, if you're 15 years old, you're coming home, probably home from the hospital as a newborn. Uh, 15 years. It's easy and fun to look back and see all that's gone on in 15 years. The hardest part, though, is looking ahead. Looking ahead to say, what's up? What's next? Where are we going? How are we going to get there? So i want to talk about that today. Where are we going from this fantastic celebration and marker of 15 years as La Jolla Community Church? And so uh, we go to the Word of God. The Word of God, the ancient Word of God gives us a fresh take on where we actually live and where we need to go. So if you would, if you have a Bible, turn to 2 Kings chapter 6 verses 8 to 23. 2 Kings 6, starting with verse 8, we'll go through verse 23. So here we go. Now, the king of Aram was at war with Israel. Okay, this is the headline. Uh, this is going to shock you, but uh, Aram means Syria. And so the headline is, Syria was in conflict with Israel. What? What's changed? Nothing. Nothing has changed. Syria is in conflict with Israel. That's old news. But that's a setup here in the 8th century uh, that we're reading about. Aram, Syria. Uh, Aram, the name was changed to Syria by Alexander the Great in the uh, 4th century. So, after conferring with his officers, Hazael, who's the king of Syria, Aram, said... I will set up my camp in such and such a place. He's telling his officers what he's going to do. The man of God, Elisha, the prophet, sent word to Jehoram, the king of Israel, saying this, Beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Syria, of Aram, makes his plan The Lord reveals it to Elisha. Elisha conveys that word to the king of Israel who then avoids these dangerous places, these ambushes, these setups that the king Hazael, the king of of Aram, has set up for him. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. So the king of Israel uh, is avoiding being squashed being destroyed by uh, Syria. Now the context here in the 8th century, counting down, right? 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 1 to the birth of Christ. Then from there we count up, 1, 2, 3, 4. Israel had been the most powerful nation in the region under David and then under Solomon. Solomon's sons uh, got into a conflict and a kingdom divided. So now a couple hundred years later, uh, it's a divided kingdom. Israel in the north, Judah in the south, And they're weaker. They're not unified, therefore they're weaker. And so the the nation of Aram is much more powerful and menacing toward the north of of the country called Israel. So that's what's going on here. Well, this enraged the king of Aram that, that somehow the king of Israel knew his moves and was avoiding getting squashed by him, destroyed. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, tell me, which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? What's going on here? Which one of you is a traitor? Whose team are you on? None of us, my lord the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha the prophet, who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom, which is a funny turn of phrase. Hey, he, he knows everything going on with you. Uh, how so? It's inferred here that the Lord is, is apparently conveying this to Elisha. Well, so the king says, go, find out where he is so I can send men and capture him. The report came back. He is in Dothan. Dothan is a small town uh, in uh, the central part of that what we know as the nation of Israel. It's in the northern part uh, called Israel, uh, an area that we would call today the West Bank, the west side of the Jordan River between the Mediterranean Sea and the Jordan River. Uh, and it's about 12 miles away from uh, the main city, Samaria, which is the headquarters of the Israel army. So the report came back, he's in Dothan. Then the king sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. So a sizable force of the army uh, secretively comes in and surrounds that city, that town of Dothan, uh, ready to... uh, squash it to destroy it the next day so now we've moved from the inner sanctum of the king of Aram to the city of Dothan when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city oh no my lord what shall we do the servant asked don't be afraid the prophet answered well that's a great lesson for us right there Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Be alert. Be concerned. Be heads up. Pay attention to what's going on, but don't be afraid. The Lord is with you. Hard not to be afraid when you're overwhelmed with fear, things that create fear, threats to your well-being. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Imagine the The servant saying, Those who are with us, it's just two of us, just you and me. What do you mean? Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Elisha saw the proper context of what was shaping up. His servant didn't. So he prays to the Lord, Lord, open his eyes so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Wow. He had eyes, but he couldn't see. It was there all along, but he couldn't see it. And so Elisha's prayer is answered. The servant can now see. Oh, my. We're surrounded by an army, which is in turn surrounded by the chariots of fire. Of God, maybe you saw the film years ago, *Chariots of Fire*. Phenomenal film, won an Academy Award. *Chariots of Fire*. E- Elisha was used to this by now. Uh, his mentor, Elijah, Elijah was the great prophet of Israel, who then mentored Elisha, and passed on the mantle of, of prophecy, prophecy, uh, the ministry of being the chief prophet for Israel to Elisha. And when Elijah was close to death. Uh, it says he was taken up by a chariot of fire in a whirlwind to heaven. So Elisha has seen this. He knows what a chariot of fire looks like. This has become familiar to him. You know, it's funny how when you start to walk with God, you become familiar with the ways of God. And what shocked you or, or confused you early on in your faith, all of a sudden it makes sense. Hey, don't be afraid. God's with us. Don't be foolish, but don't be afraid. As the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, Strike this army with blindness. Now he's just prayed for his servant to have eyes opened. He now prays that the army that's threatening them would be rendered blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. And so Elisha goes out to meet them and greet them. And it says, Elisha told them, this is not the road and this is not the city. Uh, This is sort of like that scene with Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, in Star Wars where the stormtroopers are looking for R2-D2 and C-3PO or 3-CPO, whatever his name is. And so they see them sitting there in this vehicle. And as they walk up to arrest them, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi says, these are not the droids you are looking for. And it was like a mind trick, right? This Jedi mind trick. And, and so they said, oh, okay, and they keep walking. So here's Elisha doing a similar thing. This is not the road. This is not the city. Well, how can a whole army get to the wrong, on the wrong road to the wrong city? So obviously, he's, he's, he is in their confusion of being blind. He's saying, oh, big mistake, but I will help you. Follow me, and I will lead you to the man you're looking for, uh, which is in this very humorous but serious passage Who is the man that they're looking for? Well, they might think, well, we're looking for Elisha, who's giving away all the secrets of the king. But all along, they've been looking for the king of Israel. So he says, follow me, and I will lead you to the man you're looking for. And he led them to to Samaria. So he leads them on a march 12 miles from Dothan to Samaria, uh, the capital of the region. And so after they entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so they can see. Then the Lord opened their eyes, and they looked, and there they were inside Samaria, which also happened to be headquarters for the uh, Israeli army. So they opened their eyes, having been led blind into the city. They're surrounded by the army, and there stands the king of the army, the king of Israel, Jehoram. And when the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elisha, "'Shall I kill them, my father?' Shall I kill them? Now, it seems obvious to the king that his enemy has shown up on his own turf. He should probably kill them. He, he asks Elisha, and he says, my father, because he has such high regard for Elisha. Now, let me just say for a moment about Elisha. Elisha came from a very wealthy family, very well-to-do, prosperous family. He was a privileged person. He was very smart, highly educated. I mean, he was a, a natural leader. Elijah comes by one day and says, I-, I want you to follow me. I want you to be my protege. I will mentor you. Elisha, to his credit, left everything. He gave away everything he had, and he follows Elijah. Now, Elijah did six major miracles. Elisha did 12. Elisha uh, was a man of the people. He he cared about the least and the last and the lost. He looked at the people everybody overlooked. So he was a person of deep humility and compassion, and yet he has the confidence to speak uh, 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 truth to power. And so he was held in high regard by all the prophets of Israel, and particularly by the king. So, shall I kill them, my father? Shall I kill them? Do not kill them, Elisha answered. Do not kill them. Would you kill those you have captured with your own sword or bow? They're prisoners. Set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. Well, this is different. So he prepared a great feast for them. And after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away and they returned to their master. So the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory what would you say? You go back to the king of Aram, a much larger power, the power of the region, and he says, so how did it go? And what would they say? Oh, it was great. We had a great dinner with the king. And Elisha, he's not that bad of a guy, actually. Uh, I don't think it went quite like that. I don't know what happened. But they had stories to tell, didn't they? So what are the takeaways for us on our 15th anniversary? 15 years as a movement of God's spirit at La Jolla Community Church. What what are the takeaways in this story for us? Something that happened so long ago, how could it possibly have any bearing on where we are and where we need to go? Let me start by saying this. Elisha is a great role model for us. Uh, Elisha is actually sort of a foreshadowing of, of the Messiah, Jesus Elisha knew his role was helping Israel fulfill its mission for God. What's yours? What's your mission for God? That's part of the answer of where are we going as a church? What is our mission? We have a very clear mission. The issue is, is it our mission? It's on paper, but will it be ours? Will we appropriate the mission that God has given to us as a congregation? Everything hangs in the balance on that question. I want to give you five things to consider Five things to process, to reflect on, as you think about what your mission is and how do you fulfill it. The first one is this. You've got to understand the times you're living in. You've got to understand the times you're living in. Do you understand the times you're living in? Yeah, these are horrible times. Bad times, miserable times, unsettling, inconvenient, life-threatening times. Okay, but you know what? These are not unique or exceptional times. This is human history. Bad things are constantly happening. Disruption is constantly occurring. Diseases, wars, threats to your well-being. There's nothing new under the sun when it comes to uh, what we're going through. It's unique to us. It's uncomfortable for us. It's distressing for us. What if we could bring Elisha here and have him walk with all of us in our own schedule for a week? Hang out with us. See, see what we do and how we do it. Meet all the leaders. Get a full view of what it's like to live in, in San Diego or the county of San Diego, the United States. What do you think he'd report at the end of that time? Let's say it's a month. What if it's six months? I think he'd say something like this. You know, f- amazing, amazing how different human knowledge is. And also equally amazing how similar human nature is. He would say, so much has changed in terms of human knowledge, but nothing at all has changed regarding human nature. People are still people. And so if you want to understand the times you're living in, understand the human heart. Understand people. The crazy things you're seeing, it's indicative of people. The wonderful things you see, as well as the, the horrible things you're seeing. Israel was under attack by a stronger foe. They felt threatened. Their very future was in question. How do you feel? What's threatening you? Where are you feeling attacked? How do you feel about your future? How do you feel about the future of this church? Understand the times you're living in because God will equip you to be able to respond to the actual times you live in. Overwhelming? Perhaps. Complex? no doubt. Bigger than you could possibly imagine taking on for sure. And yet, if you understand the times in which you live, you're in play with God and you're on your way to fulfilling your mission for Him in the actual time in which you live, in the actual place in which you live, the actual life that you're living is where God wants you to fulfill your mission. It's where He wants us to fulfill our mission as a church. The second thing is this, see the Lord. That starts by seeking the Lord. Elisha was somebody who constantly sought the Lord. Through the Word of God, through the laws of God, through prayer. Let the Word of God, let, you know, guided by the Holy Spirit and, and supported by godly people, help you be discerning in understanding a, a, a true vision of reality. But for the Word of God, you'll have a distorted view of reality. You won't have enough information. You won't have a proper context, just like the servant not, not seeing what there was there. Uh, you and I will be blind. We will be ill-prepared, overwhelmed. Uh, we'll, we'll, we won't even understand our mission, and if once we do uh, in that setting, we'll, we'll abandon it. But once we see the Lord, as we seek the Lord, as He seizes our hearts, and we likewise seize our mission in Him, His Word, His Holy Spirit, His holy people are going to fill us with knowledge and wisdom and discernment so that we can navigate the complexities of the times in which we live. What do you see that makes you despair? What do you see that gives you hope? If you don't see those in the context of the Word of God, you don't know what to do with that. There's no proper context for that. Elisha and his servant had a very different perspective on how they saw things. But once we start to see things from God's perspective, we discover we have a choice and we have a voice. And we get to use that. We get to make choices and use our voice. We get to speak up on behalf of God. We get to choose to follow Him, to advocate His kingdom. I love the Lord's prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed, uh, praise and be holy. Your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what it is to see the Lord. And through seeing the Lord, you get to see your own time in the proper perspective. And so the third thing is this, be present, be focused, be engaged. You notice that Elisha had a non-anxious presence in the Lord. He was concerned. He took it all in. He was thinking strategically. You notice he was calm and assured. He wasn't indifferent. He wasn't in denial. You notice he also wasn't running and hiding. He was confronting this situation, but how? By being present, by being focused, by being engaged, paying attention to the, to the facts on the ground, and at the same time being, uh, paying attention to the fact of the, God, of the Lord's presence in that setting. Don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Elisha prayed and engaged. To what purpose? So he could lead humbly and boldly to bless abundantly. That's what we see in this encounter. The ultimate end game was to bless abundantly. People who came at him as enemies ended up going home, having been blessed abundantly. That's the nature of your mission, is to bless abundantly. It's the nature of this church's mission, to bless abundantly. Recognize also that God is not on our side. The king said, Shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? And Elijah said, Don't kill them, let's make them friends. God is not on our side. God is on God's side and invites us to be at His side. God invites us into His kingdom. We're not compelling Him to enter ours. God is not on your side, but God is with you and God is for you. Are you on God's side? Use your voice and your choice to be on God's side. There's no safer place to be than at the side of God. And God loves it when we come to His presence. God enfolds us with His love and His grace, His compassion, His mercy. Through His Holy Spirit inside of us, inhabiting us, He brings us into our right mind and our right heart. He empowers us for our kingdom mission. That's the God that we're talking about. That's the God who owns this church, and the God that we serve. Fourth point is this, mercy and hospitality are tangible expressions of love and respect. What a crazy situation. This army has come to destroy Elisha and to destroy Israel, and yet they end up being hosted to a feast. They've been shown mercy, though rendered blind. They weren't destroyed by the army of Israel. They were hosted at a feast, and after having been hosted at that feast, they were blessed and released to go home. Wow. Fifth point, make memories and build credibility. You see how Elisha used his authority and credibility. Having prayed for his servant, his servant could then see. He actually did keep his word. He led that army to the person they were looking for, the king of Israel. And once in the presence of the king and his army, they were shown mercy. Can you imagine how the authority and credibility of Elisha rose that day? Can you imagine how that army began to look at Israel and the king of that country and the prophet of that country saying, I don't understand this. I don't have a category for this. And when they went home and told their stories, it was that there was some credibility about these people, about how they were treated by those people. Powerful, powerful, powerful. So it says the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. You can't control, but you can influence. Uh, That's the point for me in this thing. And 15 years of great memories gives us 15 years of credibility that we can then leverage going forward. We don't know what the future memories will look like. We don't know what the future stories uh, to tell will be. But our credibility is that we've trusted in the Lord and He is trustworthy. He's leading us and guiding us. If you like the last 15, wow, I can't wait for the next 15. So today we reflect on 15 years of LJCC memories. What are yours? Uh, if you don't mind, uh, jot down some of your memories and, and email them or text them to us. LGCC.org. We'd love to hear some of your memories of La Jolla Community Church. I heard some this week. I, I loved hearing from uh, Oliver and, and Paula Jones. They said, you know, the highlights, a couple of highlights in our life uh, were being founding faculty at UCSD Medical School. And being founding members of La Jolla Community Church. Wow, what a powerful memory! What a way! What a great way to present that memory, is significant to them. What are your memories? We've had some good years. We've had some hard years. That, that's called life, isn't it? Uh, if you talk about a marriage, a marriage is some good years and maybe some hard years. Good times and some hard times. The funny thing about a marriage is that often the husband and the wife don't necessarily agree on which were the hard, which were the good. Always. But how do they get through those years together, a willing man and a willing woman? That's how we've come together for 15 years, being willing to say, Lord, what do you want to teach us? What do you want to show us? What do you want to do in us? And what do you want to do through us? We've had some good years and some hard years. And so here's my question for you. Are our best years behind us or yet ahead? It's our choice, isn't it? Whatever we choose, so it will be. Now, when I say as we choose, it's under the Lord and His sovereignty, but He wants to use us in His redemption of the world. So we know that the Lord is for His church. The question is, are we for His church? Are our best years behind us or yet ahead? It's your choice, isn't it? Will this be our next year together or our last year together? Overwhelming odds in our culture. Churches are falling left and right. People aren't coming together together. You might have an affiliation uh, with a church, but is the church thriving and growing right now? In some cases, yes, some cases, no. Will this be our next year together or our last? Again, the question you're, are you willing? Because it's your choice. I am. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to this next year together. A reasonable person could say, though, we're surrounded. The end is near. Our church is going down, the country's going down. Oh, no. Elisha's servant was a reasonable person, but he was wrong, wasn't he? And, and happily so, because the Lord, the Lord opened his eyes so that he could see. And so I say, open our eyes, Lord, so that we may see. Open our eyes, Lord, so that we may see your beauty, your magnificence, your holiness, your love, your compassion. Open our eyes, Lord, so that we may see. You see, faith is never wishful thinking, ever. Faith is grounded in reality, a God-revealed reality. Faith recognizes God's powerful presence. Are you recognizing God's powerful presence in you and in this church in spite of all signs of the contrary? God often does His best work when we are so disrupted, we're finally paying attention and saying, okay, now what? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the reality of things unseen. So what are you seeing for LJCC? What are you imagining for LJCC? And your part in it. And while you're thinking about that, I'll tell you what I'm seeing. I see godly men and women willing to unite and bless others in Jesus' name. Through all the disruptions of this past year, I love the fact that, that godly men and women have been willing Godly youth, they've been willing to say, Okay, Lord, whatever you put in my hand, how can I bless people with it and honor and glorify you in the process? I see this church as a lighthouse, a place of refuge, equipping future Elishas, raising up people who know how to see the Lord, know how to respond to situations in the name of the Lord, people who can act decisively with mercy and compassion, people who have credibility who create memories and have stories to tell because they've been with the Lord. I see a world stumbling blindly and us leading people to a feast with the King. Think of all the ways our world is in such disarray, such confusion about what it means to be a human being. The injustices, the lack of beauty, the lack of clarity, the lack of curiosity. So much knowledge, but so little change in our nature. I see this blind, stumbling world, and I think, do I want to be blindly stumbling with them? Or do I want to be part of that movement of God's Spirit that leads them to a feast with a king? That's who we are as a church. Our mission, individually and then collectively, is leading people out of a stumbling, blind world into a feast with the king. And we say, sit right here with me. Let's enjoy this feast because we've got work to do as we join God in His redeeming work in the world. So we have work to do, don't we? It's a new season at LJCC, and the question is, will you embrace it? Will you fully participate in it? I can guarantee if none of us do anything, this church can't survive. In fact, no church deserves to survive if people aren't appropriating the mission of that church as their own. No church deserves to survive. But every church not only survives but thrives when the people in that church together, united around Christ guided by His Word, empowered by His Spirit, embrace their mission. They embrace their mission. It's time to rise up for God, to seek the Lord, and to embrace our mission. The last 15 have been great. The next stage is as important or more so. We have enough momentum and experience. It would be heartbreaking if we didn't leverage that for God's purposes. Let's seize the day because we seek the Lord and see the Lord in the midst of this world and this church. What would Elisha do? I guess is how we want to wrap it up. What would Elisha do? I think he'd make memories and stories to tell. So let's gather together in the midst of all the things that are distracting us and discouraging us and distressing us and say, Lord, what memories do you want to make in us now? What stories are you giving us to tell in the days and weeks and months and years ahead? So, Lord Jesus, I pray that as we respond to you, as we choose to walk with you, as we open our eyes to see you, as we are willing to embrace our mission using the gifts and experiences and resources you have entrusted to us, May we not only honor and glorify you. May we bless people abundantly in your name. We pray this in Jesus' holy name, Amen. Well, lots to think about. Thank you for being part of the last fifteen, whatever part of that that's been for you—founding the church or showing up recently. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift His countenance upon you, reflecting His love and His light from you to everyone you encounter. May the Lord who loves you more than you can ask or even imagine, give you everything you need to walk in newness and fullness of life with Him, both now and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.